Welcome to Tea with Culture. My name is Hinn Zayna, and in this episode, I have two guests, uh, Faisal Salah and Hamad Shulani. And we're here to talk about a, an Emirati movie called City of Life, directed by Ali Mustafa. It was released 10 years ago, and uh, we decided to sit and look back at 10 years of filmmaking. Looking back at the film, how does it stand 10 years after it was premiered? And, um, and here's our conversation. Please introduce yourself before we start the conversation. Uh, hello, my name is Faisal Salah. I'm a social media journalist at The National. Hi, I'm, my name is Mohammed Yusuf Shaybani. I go by the, the moniker Momo, and I'm a comic book artist. Okay, so the reason I chose you two is because we've been talking about this movie and UAE filmmaking in general quite often and quite, uh, you know, deep discussions that lead to, I know, just different types of feelings and opinions. And I thought, okay, maybe let's have a recorded discussion, something to share with the public. And uh, so, yeah, let's start with City of Life. So the film premiered at Dubai Film Festival in 2009. It was the first UAE film to open a film festival. And by then, it was in its fourth or fifth year. it had a huge positive reaction. I didn't go see it at the festival. I watched it when it was released in the cinema early 2010. Yeah, 2010. When did you see the movie? Um, I watched the film when it was released in the theater. Uh, however, Saud Al-Kabi was a colleague in the university at the time. Who's in the, who one of the, the main, uh, the main, main character. Actor. Yeah, yeah he, um, I was informed that he was recording a movie with uh, this gentleman called Ali Mustafa at the time. I had hadn't heard of him, and I, was, I, I, knew they were, I knew they were doing something together. But I, I, I watched it when it came out in the theater, regular release, not even a diff. How about you, I, I watched it on TV, I think it was on Showtime, must have been around 2011. Um, they made a big deal out of it, obviously they advertised it all the time, and I thought I needed to watch this film. Um, my funny story with this film is that in 2009, when I was studying at Sorbonne, um, I had a professor of French who was, I was friends with who was a uh, film major and he always talked to me about being a filmmaker and he was trying to tell me it's possible if you want to do it so one day he said if you could make any Marathi film what would it be and I told him I would do something like uh, Babel or um, Amor Esperos you know something where uh, three worlds collided and then we were both surprised when about two weeks later we found out about City of Life and it was exactly that concept. So for at least a year or so, I actually refused to watch it because I thought this is, can never be as good as I would want it to be. But then I watched it and it was okay. So maybe let's do a quick synopsis of the film. So The City of Life is set in Dubai uh, and it has three main characters and there's three stories that intersect at some point in the movie. We've got the young Emirati Arab uh, named Faisal, acted by Saud Al-Kabi, and his friend... Khalfan, uh, who comes from what we would refer to as the uh, Dubai ghettos, which is Satwa. Uh, we also have uh, Natalia, acted by Alexandra Maria Lara, who is an Emirates cap. Well, sorry, not Emirates. They never identify the airline, but she's an airline crew. Uh, and she has her friend Olga, acted by Natalie Dormer, uh, who's Olga. And then the third story is the taxi driver uh, called Basu, and that's acted by uh, an Indian actor called Sonus Sood. I mean, a lot of actors, it's a mix of kind of first-timers and, um, and professional Reference. actors in, in the movie. So it's three different angles set in the city, and it captures a lot of what we... We, we believe, you know, the, the reality of the cities, you know, whoever, the taxi driver who's hustling, who's got aspirations to be a Bollywood star. You've got Natalie who's, you know, working and flying and back, but she has a friend who's always looking, um, I think, trying to find, uh, I don't know, maybe hook up with rich men and have a comfortable life. And, uh, and then you've got Saud who's, who is, I know, bored because he comes from this rich, privileged background, doesn't necessarily have a full-time job because he doesn't need to. Mm. And his friend, Khalf, uh, Khalfan, who's always there with him, through, you know, thick and thin, and they get through, you know, they deal with people... Misadventures. Adventures in, in the city. And at one point, all three storylines intersect, as mm. uh, <laughs> referring to what Faisal uh, gives an example. And when it came out, I mean, it was... It was one of the. It was rare for us to see an Emirati film being given the attention, and and the 
and the praise because, and it was also being, a lot of people were saying it was the first Emirati film, which was inaccurate. It was the first Emirati film, I think, that got all this attention. Whereas we've had Emirati films screened in cinemas. I mean, like, I think the first release, uh, Emirati film that was given a theatrical release was early 2000. Uh, it was called Al Hilm, A Dream by Han Shabani in 2005. But prior to that, uh, you know, there were Emirati films shown in festivals, competitions, and maybe the official first UAE film is uh, called Abir Sabil from 1989 by Ali Al-Abdul. So at that point, it was a lot of like telling people, no, City of Life is not the first UAE films. It's not the first Emirati film. Ali Mustafa is not the, you know. But on the other hand, people were totally into it. And it got a lot of praise. And yes, that's I avoided watching it at the premiere because I knew there was a lot of hype. I wanted to see it separately, just yep. you know, with everyone else, and watched it. And I liked it. I thought it was a good film about a city. It it, it captured characters that we are very familiar with in the city. It was filmed quite well. It's not a masterpiece. You yeah. know, it's it's a well-made film. And I remember writing about it on the blog and thinking, yeah, okay, this this could be maybe the first. Uh, a new phase of Emirati filmmaking, you know, where we're going to see well-produced films, films that will get theatrical release. Um, yeah, but it hasn't really been the case. But I don't know, let's maybe think about how does the film stand today compared to when it was out 10 years ago. I, I still recall my reaction when I first got out of the film. And my first reaction was, this is like, well-produced, it's well-shot, there's some interesting things happening. They got. I remember, like, to make it feel more local, they got Catboy and Jordy Bird to be on. Yeah, <laughs> the they, radio. Yeah. To be on the radio in the morning uh, to play. And I, uh, watching it again recently, I'm still, I still am impressed by the film. Technically, I've, I've uh, I think I'm a lot less uh, more jaded about the quality of the storytelling. Uh, but production-wise, there's a there's for as an just for example, there's a beautiful long take when they both enter the villa for the first time where. Um, uh, forgot her name. Natalia. Natalia. Yeah, when Natalia walks into the Englishman that she's just met, he's invited her over to the villa. It's Guy, a lot. Yeah. The advertising Guy, executive. The, adverti the British advertising Sorry, executive. Sorry, the sleazy. Sleazy. Advertising they could executive. sell Sam to the Arabs. <laughs> That's what he said. I think once you said advertising executive, that was. <laughs> it's implied. That he was sleazy. But it's, so, they, they, so it's shot from the back, and they both walk in the villa, and it's just one beautiful long take about them stopping, camera goes around them, and carries on as they go forward in there. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Or the cuts in the beginning with the, uh, the, the, the guy who is on the bike. And there's like the multiple cuts throughout the city. Those time lapse things. Like that was, that was pretty good. And the character on the bike, we never get a name, but he looks Filipino, yes. I guess. And, yeah, and he comes across a lot of times in the city, in, in the film, in different parts of the city. And uh, yeah, I always wondered what, what did he represent? Like mm. who did he, what, 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 I mean, what do you think he's a... Uh, metaphor for what does he stand for i guess it's just a, a connecting thread or you know that six degrees of separation thing where there's always going to be a connecting factor we always talk about living in Abu Dhabi and Dubai that because it's a small city you're only about one or two people away from anyone so i think there's True. that mm -hmm. sort of suggested i also read it as the uh, like the dubai dream mm -hmm. that like you are you work hard, et cetera, et cetera, and sometimes luck might come your way mm -hmm. and like release you. And that this is the only thing that could happen in Dubai as a city, as a, as a place. Right. That's true. And there are these kind of the night shots where the city looks quite sexy mm. and it's very seductive, and especially because you know there's Burj Khalifa and mm -hmm. you know something about kind of well lit, high rise towers, well polished where, where, glass where, shards, <laughs> exactly, very polished. And then the daytime shots where yeah they're a bit harsh and uh, which yeah something I think about a lot when I'm driving the city and looking around it. Um, but my question: Would a film like that be made today? It would be a very different film. Um, I think they took a lot of risks in 2009 that maybe even today we think twice about. And to clarify, and the reason I asked this, because the film is racy, we have you know uh, relationships outside marriage. Uh, we there's, are shown, you know, alcohol drinking. There's like a stereotypical <laughs> gaze at like everything. That's right. There's like is. a stereotypical gaze. Like this is like a, a, the stereotype of what you would expect to find yeah. in Dubai. Yeah. It's all presented full. Yeah. Uh, full on. So yeah, the partying yeah. and the clubs, the alcohol drinking, and not just by non-Arabs and non-Muslims. No. We've got, you know, our... Uh, our main hero, our main guy, uh, who's a national, who's a uh, Emirati, who's like a, a Muslim, family, exactly, and, like a, and has like a whiskey bottle in the house. Exactly, yeah. right. So, and I thought, 
I kept thinking this would no way be made today. We'd okay. have a very sanitized version. Right now, yes. Okay, I feel uh, I do sense that we've gone a bit uh, more harsher with the. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, the there's subtle things as well that we might have not noticed at the time, like the 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 Emiratis who get into a fight with our lead. Yeah, they're, we're supposed to let to believe he's from another emirate, yes. perhaps a northern emirate, which at the time maybe no one sort of considered that. That's not a hundred percent fair no. to kind of distinguish between the Dubai national and the Northern Emirates national. Stereotypical gaze. It's a stereotypical it gaze. It comes like, across this, as incredibly uh, just uh, in poor taste. Yeah, very. Yes. <laughs> to put it yeah. mildly. Yeah. Um, I want to point this out, right? So we say to the left is two thousand and nine. You mentioned Babel. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering why you didn't mention Crash. That was an Oscar winner for yeah. 2008. And there was a lot yeah, of comparisons yeah, yeah. to Crash. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. So yeah. and that, well, it's a bad example of the storytelling methods. So yeah. I didn't <laughs> no, no. It's, well, I agree. I almost yeah. agree. But it's, it's still, there, there's more things in common about the, the overall crash, structure yeah, yeah. than there is. That, that's That's true. not in common. And it's just, it won the Oscar a year prior, prior. to the production of this film. Uh, to me, I also thought about kind of the architecture of the city okay. and how much has changed. And again, so Dubai is constantly changing, uh, you know, something that upsets me a lot. Uh, but it's, there's something also very interesting and quite um, unique about the city that, yeah, it's always there to, you know, change and there's a rebirth of sorts, right? It's almost For, like a kinder surprise. You just open it up and, and like, oh, look, there it is. And, and we talked about how Khalfan is from the, you know, the ghettos of Dubai and Satwa, and there's this closing shot where the, you know, you see, because it was the background to Satwa was the Sheikh Zayed Road and the high-rise skyline. And that skyline is still there, but Satwa is not there. No. <laughs> and it's completely gentrified and it's become you up, you City brought, Walk. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's City Walk now, which a lot of people don't realize. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Anyone, I think, who moved to the city a, few, a couple of years ago would have no idea what was in that no. area. I, I work with a lot of, obviously, um, foreigners and, and they sometimes ask, where are the older or not as developed areas of Dubai? And I'd have to tell them that up until maybe five years ago, that was right behind Sheikh Zayed Road. You didn't even have to look too far to find it. But it's City Walk now, one of the most yeah, yeah, it's completely uh, gone. I mean, places in Dubai. No, yeah. I recall my father keeps asking me questions about the the. Certain family members who used to be there because that used to be the police district as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly, right? and they used to be prison a long, yeah. a long, long time ago. And right. Police college, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like, you'd ask me about these families, like, Dad, they're gone. <laughs> Everyone's moved out. It's gone. It's not even the house doesn't exist anymore. So, in a way, I think the it's a Sephora. <laughs> it's no longer <laughs> it's a, a prison. <laughs> it's a Sephora. <laughs> It's a rock set. But, but, but uh, I mean, I guess the movie itself, or you know, the images in the movie, is it's almost like archival material it in is, a way. It is. It is. It is. It is. It's it's an example of very harsh gentrification. Yeah. Which that, we don't like to call gentrification. We call it no hush. advancement, development, <laughs> yeah. improvement, the, the investment. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and and I guess uh, do you want to add anything else to the movie? Do we still like the film? I think it's an important document. I don't think it holds up as well as when it came out, only because when it did come out, it was something we thought as an example as of something we're going to improve upon uh, in the next five, ten years, which is where we are right now. I, don't, I think looking back, we were supposed to get a much better version of that film or a much better uh, filmmaking endeavor than that which at the time when you watch it, you thought, okay, if this is good, that's fine. We are going to do better. Looking back now, maybe that was the peak. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I mean, because I rewatched it. It was our assignment to rewatch this movie before the recording. And yes, I I keep thinking at the time, it was the dawn of a new decade. This has come out. The potential of what can be made here. Uh, Hopefully it inspires filmmakers to make films you know, of that caliber. Yeah. I'm a disgusting optimist. I do think <laughs> there is going to be, well, there's some silver linings. Oh, we're everywhere. waiting. We're waiting for the masterpiece. Everywhere. It's going to happen. <laughs> we're going to have the Dubai masterpiece. It's going to happen. I mean, so this, it is an, I, it is an important film in the yeah. history of UAE cinema making uh, or filmmaking. Uh, but yeah, it is not, it is not the big masterpiece. Uh, 
but it is definitely a film that can reach a wider audience. It's not it's not super artistic. It's not. No, I still like fun. it. Do you know I mean I think it's a movie that ha- can have a mainstream audience if it's put out there, yeah. uh, if it's given a re-release or or, or so forth. And th- does it stand? Uh, I know I thought the music didn't work this time. I don't know. I thought th- th- ten years ago the music was great because a lot of it was by musicians based here. But watching it this time, um, I thought there's no it doesn't. It's not unified. The, some of the songs didn't work with a lot of mm. scenes. What were the choices? What were well, the reasons behind them? Most of the music them? was from one of the stars of the movie, the narcissist. Uh, I think there were a whole lot. Of, I remember the end credits. There's a lot of others. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think he, he was, was also part uh, yeah, of yeah. choosing the music. Yeah, Did they I, use him as a was it and during the fight sequence towards the end. It was his song, right? They were yeah. playing. It was supposed to be all rough. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't necessarily work. It didn't add no. value to the scenes. It didn't. Uh, it was just very. It was just felt like it was tapped on versus. Did well, it you really can matter? appreciate the effort of not trying to buy established songs. Oh no, totally. And and try to start something from scratch. Yeah. It it both saves money and gives local and regional artists a chance. And it, you'll you'll be, you'd be able to hear something you haven't heard anywhere else before. So the effort there. Honestly, like, what was out? What was out back then? Like, in terms of like something that's more hip hoppy, more groovy. Was Desert Heat? Was Desert Heat out in two thousand and? It was around that time. They were around that time. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so, I, so I do imagine they could have used more local artists. They could have. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think it's it would be definitely a good effort to give exposure to all the bands mm-hmm. here. I mean, and, and how can you one see the movie? I watched it. It was it's on iTunes. I don't know if they're. I think it was released on DVD. It was yeah. it was at Virgin for a while, which I don't think they even carry DVDs anymore. All right. Virgin, so. <laughs> I have a DVD of it somewhere in my house, but I will say that maybe if you go to YouTube, maybe if you type in City of Life, maybe you'll find maybe two lips of DVD rip available. Maybe just a maybe. It's a big maybe. I think it's, it's time, very vague. I think it's time for Adam Mustafa to. Get the Blu-ray release out there. Okay. I'm thinking it's, it's ten fine. years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the director's cut. The director's yeah, yeah, yeah. cut Blu-ray with extras. With extras, and yeah, yeah. It's worth. It's worth it. Yeah. I, I want to see yeah. the car crash from all angles. No, they, they, we. This is something that, perhaps regionally, but specifically UAE cinema is lacking, is the targeting of the physical media market. Yes. I think films like City of Life and even his other films from A to B and um, The Worthy. Uh, most Emirati uh, films don't get anything beyond the DVD release, and when you do buy the DVD release, you you're surprised that it's basically just the film. Mm. I think we need to put more effort into uh, putting better material in the physical media releases because it's true that um, streaming is everything right now, but there are countries all around the world that don't have streaming services that don't have access to it either because they don't have internet or they don't have the rights to stream films, that's where films like ours will thrive and, and, and they'll stay on people's shelves and there'll be a document of a country they might never visit, they want to learn more of. So I think uh, Ali Mustafa, Nawaf Al-Janahi, other film directors from the UAE, please pay more attention to physical movie releases. And I do think there's something to be said about remastering a copy, of just course. bringing it off the screen. 100%. And also all the, the wonderful paraphernalia that comes with it. Of course. Like just the yeah. history of the time, yeah. images of the city, the storyboards, the production, just to see what Dubai was like at the time of shooting. Yeah. I just feel like this is the right time. I know hopefully they listen to our episode and, so. and uh, hopefully it in, encourages them to do that. And, and again, so after City of Life, Ali Mustafa directed um, two other movies. Mm-hmm. All were both were imagination productions, uh, yeah. productions, and like I think he got full on support. I think compared to a lot of directors in the country, mm-hmm. and I think fine maybe the pressure was huge on him because everyone now what's he gonna do next, mm-hmm. right? So the first film after this was called From A to B, <laughs> and it was uh, basically A standing for Abu Dhabi, B for Beirut, and it was meant it was kind of described as a road movie I think I remember reading somewhere it said it's like a, a sober version of The Hangover because mm. <laughs> it's like a buddy comedy on the you road know road trip, driving yeah. from Abu Dhabi to Beirut through Saudi through Syria through Jordan, Jordan yeah. but what happened in real life is kind of war and you know it's not it wasn't kind of this uh, so I think he added on these <laughs> stories so yeah driving through Syria and what that 
what, what you know the characters they met and some of the issues they had to deal with. So anyway, the movie again got a film festival support. I think it was at Abu Dhabi it Film Festival, right? Abu Dhabi Film Festival. Yeah. yeah. So I again I didn't go for the premiere. I, I just I think I avoid premieres because I know it'll be over the top kind of. It was a bit hype, of a controversial <laughs> choice to open the film festival it, because it was the same year as the. That's right. So where I felt that would have been a good opening been, film. Well, we, yeah, <laughs> the they should have thrown film. their support behind that, mostly yeah. because it ended up being a foreign film Oscar contender. That's true, and and a much better film. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to me, was it production-wise better as well? Or oh, just, just everything. everything. It's a, it was so just a different beast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. to me, it was an instant classic. Like yeah, this yeah. is uh, this is when one's going to make a contemporary is, best uh, films. Yeah. This would be uh, from the Arab world. This would be it. Veep is a, a late sequel to Lawrence of Arabia. It's that good. Uh, from a kind of reverse yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. point of view. Uh, so yeah, but I, I did see it, I think, uh, yeah, on, later on in the week at the festival. And I was in, an, in a full, it was a full cinema. A lot of people were enjoying it. They were laughing. And I mean, there was a little a kid behind me who was totally in hysterics. He was loving it. Yeah. I wasn't. And I thought, okay, is this movie has it be, like is it a family target audience? Uh, you know, the, what is it? I don't know. It just didn't work for me. I liked the idea of the story. Like when I read about it, I thought it was good. It just I wasn't into. I mean, it was, again, it was okay, but I know I, I thought City of Life was better. Yeah. If I had to compare the two, I just watched. I, I didn't watch the rest of his, any of his movies. I just watched his advertisements. Mm. That's all I did. I watched his short adverts because they were stunning. Because that's what he's been doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think yeah. so. And after A to B, he did The Worthy, which yeah. that became even less of a film I liked. No. And uh, and that was meant to be in a sci-fi dystopian yeah. world. So it was nothing to do with any specific city. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that worked either. His, uh, again, his Comic Con commercial, like it's so, it's very memorable. It's about like don't like don't be a stormtrooper cosplayer on your own. Don't miss out on the Comic Con. But the way he shot it was really like somber. The music was great. It was just the stormtrooper yeah. walking through Dubai in the metro mm. on the beach on his own. It was it was a clever idea. It was shot really well, yeah. and it was it was perfect for that. For, for like. That and, and he's done a lot of big brand uh, yeah, commercials. I mean, he's worked for Land Rover and some watch companies, I think. The Adnock one. The Adnock is out. the latest. The Adnock one is the latest example of, of his directorial work, and I genuinely think it's a great, great Yeah, the, the idea to have that camera just follow all yeah, these people. The steady <laughs> cam. The steady yeah, cam. Yeah. It was so well done. Yeah. You can find all these ads online if you just yeah. type. I, yeah, I, I mean, know. I think this should be available. So to talk a little bit about his other two films, uh, from A to B, um, when I was at Zaid University, I, uh, we had a film festival on it, and it closed out the Middle East Film Festival, the one, the one we had at Zaid University, and we had one of the stars of the film um, at, the, at the screening, and I was actually the MC for that night. So uh, that, that was the first time I had watched it, and uh, I thought it was okay. Uh, like you said, not as good as City of Life. Uh, I had a friend with me there who uh, was very curious about watching it, and he said he really enjoyed it. He thought the comedy was um, very well written. Uh, as, I, as I recall, I think there was at least six writers on the film, two of which were American Arab comedians. And it, I thought it was a, a decent effort to follow up City of Life. Uh, I think you have to understand that everyone is expecting to make a better film than City of Life, so what we ended up with wasn't a bad uh, product. I think making it the opening film of the of Love Film Festival was a mistake because it added more pressure to it. It was over-ambitious. Bigger expectations, because you go into this thinking, there's so many better films being screened at the festival, why open with this one? There must be something good about it. And then you watch it, you're like, hmm... It's not special. It's, it's okay. Not, yeah, so it's not quite the consistent iteration of it. Yeah, I mean, if... if if it was the other way around and we got the worthy before from A to B, you'd, you'd think, okay, they're making this the opening film because it's maybe the first of its genre to be an Emirati film. To have a dystopian uh, zombie type film open a film festival because it's an Emirati film is, is okay because we ha we've never seen an example of this. But getting from A to B was a little bit of a letdown. Uh, moving on a little bit to the worthy, uh, the Worthy, I think, was a very, very ambitious film that maybe was doomed to fail from the get-go because what they were trying to do and they were trying to achieve with the characters, the set pieces, 
the effects, everything like that, maybe we're not ready for that quite yet. And maybe they should have gone for the lo-fi version of that story. I think if they just picked a very dystopian looking part of the Fujera Mountains and they said, this is where we're going to film it. We're going to have just four characters. Uh, we're going to make it something where everything big about the story is suggested but not shown. And we'll focus on just this one location and it'll be just about the characters and their conversations. That would have been a much better film. I, have, so I haven't seen the film, but that direction that you're talking about, yeah. I'm always pro that direction oh, yeah, because yeah. there's more creativity that comes out when you're limited yeah. and boxed in. Yeah. So like lim working with a limited budget, that's like uh, you can think of without like a ton of movies that got their biggest big approach that way. Like mm -hmm. the we're just talking about it. The what's it called? The Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project. Cost, yeah. It cost nothing to make. It cost approximately one hundred eighty-three thousand dollars, I think. No, 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 like nothing. Like <laughs> yeah, much, yeah, yeah. Like a lot lower than that. Yeah, like yeah. The, the the description was like mm. they officially said it cost them twenty-two thousand dollars. <laughs> it's the most profitable film in right. movie history, I think. Right, but like I think it cost yeah. like two. To make the entire thing because they're all the director's friends and they're all they don't all know each yeah. other they all did that kind of it was nothing it was nothing yeah i mean what what didn't work for me for the worthy was the dialogue like mm. it was really wooden and mm. i love sci-fi i love dystopian dramas and uh, and it was also kind of positioned as about kind of uh, water shortage which didn't really hit no. the story like it was i'm like where where is yeah. the gripping story about water shortage and survival and so it just, um, yeah, and, and again, and I understand the pressure because, and I felt because there was so much attention with the first movie, which doesn't happen often with a lot of filmmakers, you know, what happens? And I always kind of wonder, you know, how, how does a director kind of deal with that? But, I mean, he hasn't made a full feature after Since, that. No. So he's been focusing, I think, more on commercials. Mm -hmm. So who knows? But I know if there ever is an Ali Mustafa retrospective, I would totally pl play the commercials as well. It would be yeah. part of the program. Yeah. One hundred percent. They they're they're oh, they're like mini stories, and they're told really well. No, he should he should uh, look at the career of someone like Emma Chamalon. Yeah, and and take that yeah. as an example of how to move forward. Because what happened with Emma Chamalon is he made one very very big, very very successful first film. And then afterwards, the expectation was that he was going to make a better film. Arguably, I think Unbreakable was even the best film in his series. I agree. Which he made after I agree 100%. I like that. I revisited that recently, and I, I think it still it's, holds a, it's a strong fantastic. film. It still holds but subtleties of it. Like, he's yeah. got so much subtlety in how he shifts the tone. Yeah. And it's great. And then, and then he had the slump, of course. And, and since then, he decided, I will go smaller. I will go handheld. I will go to the... To the, the Blumhouse method. So Blumhouse, yeah. the way they work is they will make a horror film for really cheap, just enough to make profits. It's like a very, very solid business plan approach to making uh, horror films. And they've, they're breaking the money. That's true. He should, and he should challenge himself that way. I think if, if someone like Ali Mustafa is told you only have half a million dirhams to make a feature film, and say, this is all you've got, you have to work with it. Maybe that's when the creative drive Jesus. is going to come back yeah. and, and he'd be able to make something in one or two locations with a small amount of characters because you don't need to go all out. You don't need to keep shooting for the stars to make good films. And that's something maybe someone like Ali Mustafa, the most well-known name in filmmaking in the UAE, should take. So... If we now maybe move away from City of Life and Ali Mustafa and think in these 10 years, where is UAE cinema? Where is UAE filmmaking uh, industry or movement or, you know, <laughs> different names it gets? A lot of movies have been made. Mm -hmm. We're definitely seeing more and more UAE films getting theatrical release. Um, I feel it's a case of quantity over quality. Yeah. We, we really haven't had anything where you can aspire to and say, oh, this is an amazing film that I want everyone to see. I haven't seen anything like you, that. You and I spoke about this. We're like, we've, we've carved up this almost like a B movie kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of B or maybe B minus <laughs> <laughs> movies. Uh, so I've I, used harsher language, to be frank, but, yeah. like, but like, I, I know what you mean. Um, because, again, because um, uh, be, the, I'm, I'm trying to be an aspiring comic book creator. I have I read comics weekly to catch up with the entire market. I have so many comics to read in the past. I watch a lot of movies fit, and I watch a lot of like anime, whatever. Anything that involves storytelling, I put into my my platter. I don't I don't make time to watch a lot of variety films because I because you watch the trailer and I watch uh, some of them. And I got disappointed enough to say, okay, you know what? I don't have time for this. I will prioritize like for example the Irishman over 
Fair enough. I mean, uh, but no, it's terrible. I admit yeah. it is a terrible, uh, beha- terrible. Yeah, behavior. but but also it's kind of what is the it's the normal behavior. Not everyone goes and watches everything like I do or like Basil does. I right? have to I, mean, I have to give up gaming yeah. so I can keep up with my comics. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's all right. But I mean, I guess maybe a good. Um, so we're not going to go over all the films, obviously, but we're going to talk about a few maybe that stands out over this past decade. And maybe a, a good one to start with it is, is a good, actually a good example. So it's not a bad example we're going to be talking. It's a good example. Sea Shadow by Noah Fajanahi, which was released in 2011. Yeah. Do you wanna... Sea Shadow was released in cinemas, and it came sort of after the wave of, of euphoria that City of Life gave uh, Marty cinema goers, because it was the first example of this number of Imati movies we were going to get after the success of City of Life. So it was the first example of, okay, this is a different genre, so we can go watch it in the cinema, and this is the first of many. Uh, it was a different type of story to City of Life. It was much more toned down. It was essentially just filmed in Rasul Khaimah around six or seven main characters. Uh, it's a story of uh, a kid who falls in love with a much older woman, a married woman, I, I believe, or a divorcee, and it's, it takes chances, it, it shows imagery that you wouldn't think to see in Emirati movies. It's very suggestive as well. Uh, uh, I thought it was a very good uh, feature effort from Nawaf al-Janahi. Uh, again, it's a shame he's not making films as, as much anymore. Um, Why do you think he stopped making films? Just not, no support? It's not something personal to him. I think this is something that... Uh, involves every Marathi filmmaker. I think just the system doesn't it's a system that. that doesn't allow for for momentum to keep going. You know, uh, we used to have the two four four initiative, which gave uh, young budding filmmakers a certain amount of money to make short films. It doesn't exist anymore. We used to have two film festivals that every Marathi filmmaker aspired to have their film screened there. We don't no, have that anymore. Those anymore. And there yeah. was a Sanad Film Fund and uh, Jazz Film Fund and all the, of this all thing. Of these have gone. And it's just part of a bigger system that doesn't believe in cinema anymore. I don't think. Uh, I think even it's. It, there's a lot of people to blame. The the the, the cinema megaplexes are, are to blame as well. The the people who used to run those initiatives don't care about them anymore. So the blame can go around. But I think it's just something that affects all Emirati filmmakers that there's not enough money, effort, attention given to cinema and Emirati cinema. But having said that, anyone can get a DSLR, a decent DSLR right now. People have them. It's you, can, you have your phone. Yeah, sure. But like, it's easy to say... No, I know, I know, I know. Get, go out and film something. It's, right. That's easy. And, and filmmakers want to go out and film something. But the nature of the country and the nature of the storytelling in the country is that you have to get permits. You have to be able to get your scripts okayed by 12 different people. You have to do all of these things just to be able to get out there and, and actually set up a camera on a tripod and start filming. So it's not as easy as it is compared to, let's say, the independent film movement in America in the 90s. Right. It's nowhere near as easy. You know, uh, People want to make movies. I, I, I firmly believe that if there was room given to filmmakers to say, all right, you don't need permits on this, this, and this. You need to, you, you should just get, you know, tax rebate on this, this, and this, and all this stuff. People will go out there and make films. I think it's just the restrictions have become just killing. Do you know the writer, Con, uh, something Conrad, the guy who did The Road? Conrad McCarthy. Yeah. The guy who did The Road, and he did, and they, he did uh, Blood Meridian. Mm-hmm. There's a excellent film with just uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Seven L. Jackson mm-hmm. in a room mm-hmm. doing the play mm-hmm. that he's written. That's it. It's one room, two characters. Mm-hmm. I think that's possible. It is. It is. No, and, and and I'm sure there are even playwrights out there that want to have their plays filmed. Right. And but again, I, I go back to the system. There's no support system. So even if a film's made, does it get distribution? Who's watch it? Is it going to get theatrical release? So uh, there's, a, I think, a lot of independent initiatives, and people are independently maybe raising funds to make films. But at the end of the yeah, day, yeah. where you know where are these and a lot of fil- filmmakers want their films to be in festivals, and if they're not even well established here, like it's hard for them to even I think show abroad. So, so even t- if again, the local film festivals aren't non-existent to even at least be a platform to show their films. Yeah. So again, I'm being a hopeless optimist here by saying I don't think it's like a severe like a like a dismal situation I do think there is like like some as much as we have been criticizing heavily in private and almost in public on DXB 
like maybe there is an opportunity for some filmmakers to throw an indie there. So on the XB, this new event that started is trying to compare itself to South by Southwest, and that's kind of like the replacement never, to the Dubai never. International Film Festival. Um, on, on the XB yeah. exists. Don't give them the one. <laughs> it exists. Yeah. Maybe next year it'll be better. Yeah, I think With, the biggest crime is that there was a very much a, a tangible sense of momentum that the Amati cinema was moving in. With the Abu Dhabi Film Festival, with the Dubai Film Festival, we were showing great films, we had great filmmakers, great actors showing up, not because they were invited to Dubai or Abu Dhabi, but because they wanted to attend a very successful film, uh, film festival. And people with talent were screening their films there, and suddenly that was gone, and it killed the momentum. I mean, Jack Swanstrom, rest in peace, who's a professor in uh, multimedia design in the American University of Sharjah, forced every student towards the end of the semester to submit their films to the Abu Dhabi Film Festival and the Dubai Film Festival. Mm -hmm. Forced everyone to submit their films. Yeah. It's like you're all submitting all your it's films. It's a great idea because it's a very good beacon for filmmakers to, to aspire to have their films screened at. You want your film to be screened at the Abu Dhabi Film Festival at the end of the year, so you work hard all year to have it be good enough to be filmed uh, to, to be filmed to be screened there so now that doesn't exist anymore and sure we can point at smaller film festivals the people in charge are doing a great job um, mm. but it's it's nowhere near the the big uh, festival that those two were but i don't think we should like also depend on the big festivals that's just sorry this reminds me just just reminds me of like when Kanye West was going crazy about, I have to work with all these big brands like Louis Vuitton or whatever, and you're just like, Kanye, you can do your own thing. No, and sure, we're not you know saying what I, you, know what you I mean. need this for this. But ultimately, if you need to get from A to B and there's no road, it's going to get a lot harder. Yeah. And it's going to take a longer time. You know? That's all we're saying is you Yeah, yeah no, I think, no I, I think I agree. I just like on the optimist approach. Please. I mean, so speaking of film festivals that have come and gone and no longer exist, I watched a movie at the film festival which lasted for a few years uh, called A Fallible Girl so it was a UAE film production 100% UAE film crew apparently one of the biggest I don't have the number in terms of like how many people worked on it uh, but it was an English language film it's a South African director which I also want to I think acknowledge whenever we talk about Emirati films or UAE films like there's always a sense that it has to, it's an Arabic language film, it's by an Emirati filmmaker but with the UAE being such a diverse country we need to acknowledge non-Arab and non-Emirati filmmakers that make films here. And Conrad, uh, so the director is Conrad Clark, uh, he made this film. I think about it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I've only seen that one time. I don't know how to access it otherwise. And the storyline is really interesting. So it's from, this is from 2013. And it's about this Chinese woman who lives in Dubai, who has a mushroom farm in Abu Dhabi. She's in a relationship with this British guy who works in Qatar and they live by the beach. And then she lives with her friend in Dera. So there are these very great kind of cityscapes. And again, uh, a look at a city and uh, parts of the city, which maybe some of it has changed. Uh, and, and I thought this is, uh, and again, it's about, you know, an independent woman running her business and just dealing with challenges, etc. Uh, it was the ending that didn't stand out. I won't get into it now. But it's a film which I think was just shown at the festival and that was it. And I think maybe because it wasn't an Emirati filmmaker, it wasn't an Arabic language. I, I feel this is a film that could have had a theatrical release and could have had a, a wider audience. Uh, and maybe in that same year, an interesting example of a film that was made here, um, but by a big filmmaker, Toby Hooper, mm -hmm. rest in peace, who passed away a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And that was his last film. But that doesn't get covered when it's written about in kind of Western film publication. No. I don't think he wanted it to be his last film either. <laughs> so it's an imagination production. It's called Jinn, uh, meaning devil, evil spirits. And, and, uh, I, I, yeah, there's spirits. Spirits. I don't think okay. they're evil all okay. the time. Oh, all right, okay. Um, so I know, I haven't finished the film yet. You're fine. I think we're all in the kind of a similar but it, state. It, it did get a theatrical release, right, Faisal? Yes. So it was screened first at the Lobby Film Festival, okay. and it was quite the premiere. Yeah, I mean, this film, I think, has had a lot of uh, controversy just even leading up to it, right? I think yeah. crew members quit, yeah. there was, like, dramas on it, I think oh, wow. there was accusations of not being culturally sensitive or culturally appropriate. Yeah, the release was pushed back by at least a year and a half. Oof. 
And by the time it did screen at the film festival, um, I'll never forget this because one of the stars of the film got up on, while they were introducing the film, before they got off stage, asked the audience to please not leave till the end of the movie, <laughs> which is not a good sign. Uh, I remember a minute into the film, you see what's supposed to be the star of the film, the djinn, show up as like this woman in a, in Abaya just speaking from a behind a tree in Central Park in New York and I just burst out <laughs> laughing and everyone around me were looking at me like why are you laughing? I was like are you not watching what I'm watching? It's a woman in a abaya peeking from behind the tree and it went downhill from there. Yeah, it's actually. Quite, again, I haven't finished it, so I know I shouldn't be talking about it. But it it does look goofy. The effects are very lo-fi, yeah. and but to think this is a Toby Hooper film, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a really strange one yeah. in his filmography, which again I think a lot of people aren't necessarily aware of. I think it's like a minimum requirement. I recall someone in Image Nation was working there was a bit annoyed that they got to, uh, Toby Hooper to come and shoot the film, and they thought it should have been shot by someone here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Which maybe is a good example to lead to Zinzana, mm -hmm. so a good genre film uh, from 2015 by... Majid Lansari, who is also one of the interns on Jin, uh, ended up directing one of the best Imarati films made to date, Zinzana. Uh, very also lo-fi film, filmed in one location, uh, about this crazy um, character that was played, I believe, by a uh, Palestinian actor who was in Paradise Now. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff since. He was in um, the latest uh, Jack Ryan series. Very, very competent <laughs> actor. So Zanzana also came out in cinemas. I watched it in cinemas. It was, uh, yeah, Ali Suleiman is the name of the Palestinian actor. It came out in cinemas. I thought it did, it, it did very well in cinemas. It got very good reactions. Um... And that definitely is an example of how Emirati cinema should be headed towards. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, talking about earlier, you know, like with limited budget, li with limitations, creativity thrives. And this is a one location film. Uh, you know, someone's behind bars, there's a policeman, there's, you know, creepy characters. And it's quite, you know, tense and it carries itself quite, you know, the tension stays throughout the film. And yeah, it's an impressive, it's a good example of a UAE film. It's now available on Netflix for anyone that wants to see it. So that was a good example and we were happy. And again, I think thinking of things like City of Life, Sea Shadow, Zinzana, like, okay, UAE filmmaking is on a somewhat of a roll. We're, we're getting stuff. But then we end up with Hajwala. Right. <laughs> In 2016. Hajwala is like the perfect example of you watching this film and you're, you think it's going somewhere, but you've been duped into watching a 90-minute advert for the police. Maybe let's just quickly uh, give a, a short synopsis of the film. Uh, Good luck. I can't, I can't tell you what the synopsis of the film was. All I know is racing, 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 someone gets hurt, more racing, please stop racing. And it's like drifting, so it's not just like standard racing, right? It's kind of the uh, it's, dri it's, driving it's, in circles. And about the, it's about <laughs> tuning up the cars as well. There's a tuning up facet to the car. Like, oh yeah, we're going to tune up this car to be the best. <laughs> The Thanks, the, Vin Diesel. Discount, Vin Diesel. The fascinating thing about Hajwala is it's actually called Hajwala, the secret of the stolen motor. Something like that. The missing yeah, yeah. engine. The missing, the missing engine. engine. And, then, and you watch it, and I promise you, the missing <laughs> engine doesn't come in until about the 80th minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the la very last thing. The very last minute thing. Uh, I could not finish this film. I've been warned that this film is not worth watching but I still wanted to give it a shot I stopped I think after half an hour it's just it's so poorly no, structured you, ha you, ha you have to be put in a position where you can't leave yeah, I was yeah, yeah. Uh, on guard duty when I was watching this <laughs> yeah. and I couldn't leave the shack so I just watched the thing it, but but, on, but it it's uh, deemed as it, it it's, made, uh, it it's a blockbuster yeah, yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. most successful UAE film in money. cinema yeah. it felt like Vin Diesel's fever dream how, how can one explain this and this was all independently funded by the way because I think so a lot of people like cars a lot of people like cars a lot of people like drift racing a lot of people like the tooling with cars there was no studio here they, 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 it, so this is actually in theory an independent film yeah so there's, there's definitely positive, it has a sequel <laughs> there's definitely positives and negatives when, when talking about a movie like Hedgehog the positives are they understood that there's a an interest for the Amati public mm. to watch something about this subculture. Yeah. Brilliant idea. Fantastic to start from that point. The wrong way, and this is what absolutely destroys the film, is they have a premise that could barely fill a 20-minute <laughs> short, and they extended it to about an hour and a half. How do they extend it? 
commercials. Literally commercials. And product placements. Everywhere. And, and might I say, a very well-made PSA for the police. That's what I'm saying. Fantastic <laughs> job. Whoever commissioned that, by the way, in the police deserves a raise because the way it was weaved in, not subtle at all, not, not subtle at all. There's no, there's no conclusion to this film, by the way. That's it's literally, I feel like it was a trap. I feel like I was trapped. <laughs> so it goes from, here's some plot, a minute and a half, that's all you deserve, 20-minute commercial for Ferrari World, back to the plot for a minute and a half, 20-minute commercial for this restaurant, back to the plot for a minute and a half. That's literally the movie. And this is depressing because if this is where Emirati cinema is headed to... Or what makes money. <laughs> it's going to be excruciating. It's going to be excruciating because they figured it out and good for them for figuring it out. But please don't do this. Please don't do this. This is bad. No I'm, one cares about I this. I much prefer the very lo-fi, as in yes. Ugandan films or like the films coming out of Africa. And Nollywood. Really like, <laughs> Nollywood, yes. It's Nigeria. dope. Nigeria, yeah, you're right. It's so dope. I mean, because th- there is something admirable about super low budget and if it's B-movie, like again, you know, you, you know, poor production, etc. But when it's kind of merged with this social, you know, PSA and, you know, almost like a, a, a parent telling, you know, a child don't drive dangerously yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's just the whole thing is... Just it's 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 a mess. No, no, they shouldn't ma- make this. Honestly, I don't like saying don't make films, but, but uh, if this is how you're gonna make films, don't make <laughs> films. Don't. It's okay. Don't make you can, films. You can paint instead. They I don't mean, need your commercial. Don't make it. I know. I mean, another example where I think we also felt quite strongly about the calib- the, the low caliber of the film. Aerials. A, a sci-fi. The uh, sci-fi aerials. Um, Man, so the thing I can say about aerials is there's a, this ongoing meme about uh, I gave a bot 10,000 hours of something to do. And it feels like someone gave a bot 10,000 hours of like Shyamalan <laughs> sci-fi films. Mm. And this is the movie we and ended up And that's the with. result? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's bad AI making. I mean, honestly, again, that was, uh, I went to see it in cinema, got a theatrical release. Premiere, and I went to the premiere <laughs> of this film. And you want to support these films, but then when you leave feeling so disheartened because this is what's being made, and it's not even like it's so bad, it's good. It's not even that no, it's caliber. Just, it's just so fragmented, it's fascinating. You just want to see how this movie ends because just one bad thing to the next. <laughs> I don't even remember the full spot, uh, plot line. I just remember its position as a sci-fi. Aliens and, came, we're all stuck in the house. lights are kind of like, you know, hitting the house. Alien shows up in a nice rubber suit towards the end. Like a really obvious bad yeah. rubber suit. Um, okay, maybe let's move on to positives. Yes. Yeah, Only Men Go to the Grave from 2017 by Abdullah Al-Kabir. So we watched this together at the Dubai Film Festival. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a premiere of the film, I That's believe. That's true. Uh, I remember we, we recorded the podcast after the film and I said that I wasn't a fan. I track back now. I think it's a fantastic film. Uh, I, think, I think my feeling at the day was because I had big expectations. And going into it, I thought this has a lot of potential to be good. So maybe a quick synopsis? Sure. So it's filmed in Iran with Irani, Iraqi uh, actors, all speaking in Arabic. It's about a, uh, an old woman who, uh, to go to the funeral of someone who died recently, she needs to become essentially a man. She needs to dress up as a man because women don't go to funerals. They stay at home and grieve. So it's about sort of that event, the event that happened before the death, after. Uh, there's a very brave uh, uh, subplot about you know trans- transvestites and, and, and let's say queer love and all that stuff, but all suggested, um, very, very well written. Uh, I remember, like I said, that I had a lot of potential, uh, I had a lot of hopes because the film seemed like I had a lot of potential. And thinking back on it, I think it did the best it could. And, and, and within the margins it had to work with him because filming in another country, especially like Iran, being an Iranian filmmaker, getting Iraqi, Iranian actors to act for you, speak Arabic, there was so much going against this film. And this was another independently funded film. Like, mm-hmm. So he went on his own, he tried to get, I think, I know, like funding from bigger bodies, but it wasn't working in the end. It was all, so it took him five years basically mm-hmm. to finish. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's not, it's it's a it's a well-made film. It's not. I don't think it's a masterpiece, no. but it's definitely a movie that has its own look. Where you know the director has his own unique vision yeah. and ideas, and 
And I really am waiting to see what he makes next. He's also, I think, busy making commercials. Yeah. And maybe, again, the challenges of making another full feature is, is probably yeah. what he's facing. I mean, this is another challenge to, to one of the filmmakers, is they have to keep working while making films. And there's no... It, you, it's hard to call yourself an Imati director and then get a paycheck for it. Yes, there's no stable career path. No, there. because you have to you have to keep making money off commercials, off these small jobs, uh, and and it leaves very little time to actually pursue a film career. So I hope he keeps making films because Only Men to the Grave is the closest thing we have to like a very well made art house film. That's true. You know, um, I I would say that. As as a as an art house film, I'm, I'm proudest of, and as a commercial film, Zinzana, I'm proudest of uh, in terms of Imati cinema. We'll wrap it up with one film that was released uh, very recently, uh, Musk by Hamid Sawadi, and I watched that. It had a theatrical release. It had been shown in festivals before that. It took a while to make its way to the cinema. It's quite a, um, a, a it's it's a very touching, sensitive film about families. Uh, really well made. I'd had a, I know, the aesthetically, look, there was something about its look which was quite consistent throughout. And it was rare because we're so used to, you know, the, the Gulf male and this, uh, you know, chauvinism and, uh, and patriarchy. And this is a, a widower and, uh, you know, trying to connect with his son and trying to also deal with his father. So it was a very kind of small family relations story, quite intimate. Again, a lot of it is set around, you know, the house or in, you know, the, the perfume shop where they sell, hence the name Musk, Misk. Yeah. Uh, I was quite moved by it. I really liked it. I hope it has a wider audience eventually. I hope it makes its way abroad. I mean, this is, a, it, it's a good example where it shows, you know, culturally, you know, like a representation of family, uh, representation of life, and not everyone's rich and swanky and, and, uh, you know, kind of living the high life type yeah. of story. So, I mean, so in the past 10 years, we have a few good examples. We have a lot of bad examples, which we didn't even get in. You know, we just decided just to pick a couple because, because there were a lot of bad examples. But we always try to look on the bright side. And um, here's hoping to more UAE films, maybe more support for yeah. filmmakers to make films, regardless of nationality. We need a diversity of uh, stories there are lots of them. We're not lacking stories. No, no, no. Um, There's the, um, the expected sequel, The City of Life, City of <laughs> Death, where the Filipino man spends the million dirhams rebuilding Khalfan <laughs> into a cyborg. So you can have the infamous Khalfan as he's running by the Burj Khalifa. That, that's an amazing can idea. I, can I close with a question to both of you? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's say they want to make a four-film box set, Blu-ray, of, of four Emirati films. Which would you choose to be in this box set? Oh wow! Okay, I would uh, I would say Fallible Girl is the first one. City of Life definitely. Uh, Musk um, probably only meant to go to the grave. Yes, good choices. Um, we're, we're missing Sea Shadow. Can it be a five set? It can be a extra, a DVD extra. <laughs> so City of Life definitely Zanzana. I want to say I want to watch Only Men Go to the Grave, mm -hmm. and I want uh, there's a film you mentioned earlier, Deep. Deep. Deep is not. Uh, Deep. It's Deep only Emirati funded. Right. Okay, but it's a Jordanian film. Yeah. Then uh, Hajwala. <laughs> okay. okay. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> one of them has to be a dud. There has to be one that's a dud. Okay. And Hajwala is my dud. I would say uh, City of Life, uh, Zinzana, Only Went to the Go to the Grave, and Musk. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, I hope we get a chance to talk about more films another time. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please. Subscribe and listen to Tea with Culture on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any other app you subscribe to for podcasts. And please join us again. Till next time.